All right, welcome back, pool fans from across the country and around the world. You are listening to American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week. It is April the 13th, 2017, which means out in Windsor, Connecticut, they are wrapping up the uh, 2017 U.S. Open Straight Pool Championship. There's about uh, a little over a dozen guys out there battling it out for the uh, $10,000 added. And the field's not that big, so it should be uh, you know a little bit easier for one of these guys to pick off the cash. Good luck, Bob Jewett. Also going on starting tonight, if you're in Texas, down there in the Houston area, in uh, spring, right outside of Houston, there's the Big Time Classic is going on there. And uh, that's going to be a little miniature pool festival. They're going to have um, one pocket, banks, nine ball, kind of the whole gamut, some other games. And it's going to be streamed pay-per-view on PoolActionTV.com. So if you're interested in playing, then get your butt over there. And if you're interested in watching, you know, go check it out. Well, also going on, uh, Easter is right around the corner. So if uh, you're one of those people that celebrates Easter, then uh, have a safe one and a great weekend to all of you. Also coming up on the show today, we're going to be talking to Miss Melinda Bailey down in the great state of Texas. She's going to talk to us a little bit about the crowd, the effect of the crowd. Who's cheering? Does that bother you? And we're going to be talking with Darren Appleton about... uh, the good and the bad of the WPS series so far and what's going on with some other things in the pool world, the Moscone Cup race and the world game, stuff like that. So stick around. We'll be right back with Melinda and Darren right after this. It was 80 years ago this week, April 1937. The World Championship Tournament of 14-1 was going on at Andrew Ponzi's Billiard Academy in the Bond Building, haha, <laughs> like Mr. Bond, at 163 West 46th Street in New York City on the 16th floor. Yeah, that's pretty high up in the air to be having a pool tournament, isn't it? It was a round-robin format. The matches were being played for 125 points apiece, and there was a field of 12 of the best straight pool players in the country. Hands down, Ralph Greenleaf, Andrew Ponzi, Jimmy Karras, Irving Crane, which, by the way, it was Irving Crane's first professional appearance that day, or this week. Erwin Rudolph, Willie Moscone, Anafrio Lori, Charles Seabag, Marcel Kemp, Faye Gaynor, Joseph Deal, Benny Allen, all competing for the cash. And it was a grand tournament, no less. Willie Moscone took home an extra $100 bonus for a 95 ball run in one of the games. He also took home an extra another $100 bonus for having the best uh, match. He ran uh, his match out in only three innings. And Anafrio Lori, um, he got a $250 bonus for going 125 and out on Benny Allen. And it just so happened that it was Benny Allen's birthday. So, uh, yeah, Mr. Laurie gave him a great birthday present. (laughs) Just so happened that the sponsor of this particular tournament was a gentleman by the name of Jack Polanski. The reason why this is significant is because it was not Brunswick hosting and paying for the World Championship event like they usually did. 
Mr. Polanski. He was a retired taxi mogul, if you can believe that. He was actually the originator of the original checkered cab, if you remember checker cabs from way back in the day. Mr. Polanski put up $12,000 of his own money back in 1937, and he formed the Sportsman's Tournaments Incorporated Company. They had a special arena built for 600 people. $5,000 was added to the entry fees collected, plus $100 for the high runs and $100 for the best game and whatnot. It was really an interesting uh, twist on what was usually going on with Brunswick hosting the typical world tournaments. It was also an interesting occasion because all 12 of the men that were contesting for the title, they actually formed a new association sort of right in the middle of this world championship tournament. It was called the Professional Pocket Billiard Players Association of America. They named Benny Allen as the president for a two-year term. Jimmy Karras, Ralph Greenleaf, and Erwin Rudolph were elected as vice presidents. Honorary members were Jack Polanski, obviously the host of the tournament. Julius Becker, Leon Epstein, Jack Doyle, Alfredo De Oro, Jeremy Keough, and Sol Allinger of Philadelphia. So they, uh, they established the Pocket Billiards Association during that event and made that room their home office. It was a very interesting development in the uh, professional billiards world, as it were, because, like I said, usually up until this time, it was Brunswick that controlled not only the professional events, but the player associations themselves. So that's your moment in pool history. We'll be right back with Melinda Bailey right after this. All right, welcome back, everybody. And I am on the line talking to Miss Melinda Bailey down in the great state of Texas. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. What's going on this week, Melinda? Oh, same old, same old. Awesome. Working. Working, eating, thinking about pool, remodeling yeah. the house and stuff like that. I think, right? I am. I am actually. Yes, I am. You should be proud Very of excited. your. Yeah, you should be proud of your shelf. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, in case you guys uh, didn't already know, Miss Melinda Bailey is uh, a writer, author of the pool blog "Pool Is a Journey." Go check it out online. She writes a lot, apparently. I mean, like. Well, uh, well, thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> my uh, goal you. is yeah. actually to, my goal is to uh, blog uh, ten to fifteen times a month. Yeah. So that's my goal. So if it comes like the twentieth of the month and I only have five, I'm like, oh darn it, I need to get on that. <laughs> I actually have a whole list of things to blog about, so I never have any any lack of material for sure. But my goal yeah. is to blog ten to fifteen times a month. Well, you know, then that, cool that's fantastic, and and that also means that pool is physically on your mind a lot, apparently. Yes, all the time. All the time. Yes. It would almost seem like you're obsessed. How long has this been going on? No, I'm just kidding. What, uh, <laughs> what a topic do you have to share with us this week? Well, the answer to your question is I've been doing it about 10 years, honestly. Okay. So. All right. All right. But uh, I actually really like this segment with you because you have no idea what the topic is going to be. Right. <laughs> so, right. 
And just for the audience, I mean, seriously, he has no idea what I'm going to no. bring up. No. And so uh, he's always uh, just as startled as everyone else, I guess. Um, but on April 5th, I wrote about uh, the, the title is The Crowd is Not Against You. Mm. And um, what pretty much I say in the blog and what I'd like to share today is that um, a lot of times when we're competing, and I always use you an example, but let's say you and I are competing. <laughs> okay. And, and um, some of my friends are there and they're clapping for me. And you're missing shots and you're down in the match and everything. And so the, the, clap, the people that are clapping for me, they're, they're, they're just rooting me on. But the way you take it, I'm just guessing for you, is you're not yeah. taking it very well. No. There's no one there clapping for you. It all seems uh, one-sided. You're already missing. Yeah. And so what happens is, is, is our emotions uh, get in the way. You know, you're, the way I describe it is, is you know, I'm, I'll go back to me. And it's, now let's do it to where you have people rooting for you and not me. Mm -hmm. Because I can explain it better anyway. Um, <laughs> but what happens is, <laughs> is that your friends are rooting for you. I'm struggling and everything, and so my emotions are already all over the place because I'm trying to, you know, I'm playing my little heart out over here, mm -hmm. and I feel like people are rooting against me, and and it's so hard to overcome that. I mean, you're supposed to be very positive and mentally strong, and all you're thinking about is why are they clamping for him? Why aren't they cla clapping for me? You know, I don't understand this. And yeah. and, it, and, it, and if you think about it, it takes you completely away from your game when it happens because mm -hmm. I'm no longer thinking about three-ball shape and making my balls on, in the pockets. I'm thinking about, you know, why are they clapping for him and not me? And so what I've learned throughout the years is is you have to not take that personal. You have to realize that, if people are clapping, if I have to realize that if people are clapping for you, it's not against me. It's for you. Right, right, right. And I literally have to sit there because it really can, you know, <laughs> it's tough to say. It, it eats you inside. Yeah. And you have to sit there, and I literally sit there and tell myself, okay, it's not against you. It's not against you. Melinda, it's not against you. They're just, <laughs> they're just fans, you know. Right. Because it, and, and I don't think people really realize how – detrimental it can be to our game because you know pool is just like golf it's very mental and we need to be focusing on the table not what's going on around us and that is definitely taking us away but if you think about it, oh they're just rooting uh, for my friend or for you my opponent or whatever you realize it's not against me which is a negative thought because you don't want any negative thoughts you want everything very positive and yeah. peachy and you know so that you can play <laughs> your best well that's true that's true and you know it's um <laughs> Sometimes they're clapping just because it was a good shot or because they saw good play. You know, uh, it doesn't, right. Right. like you said, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're trying to shark you just because they liked what they saw or maybe they're friends of that uh, that other player, you know, or they're fans, like you said, right. of that other player. Right. But you're right. And, I could see how I that would be distracting, though. Yes. Well, I think that that's I think that's really okay, and I think that everyone is okay with that. You know, if you make a great shot and people clap for it, I think that's fine. It's really the times when maybe you might have some drunk friends and they're only clapping for you, or some people that don't know the game and they're continuously clapping every time you make the nine ball, even if it was a ball in hand or something. I'm being I'm exaggerating, but right. it's more of the excessive clapping, and it's more of you know the 
be... where it really seems like it's against you. Not just because sometimes I, I make a great out and no one claps for me, right. which is fine. But my opponent makes a simple out and every you know and a few people are clapping. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is that? Well, what, what am I? You know, sort of thing. And uh, and like I said, the only way I'm able, seriously able to get over it is to tell myself they're not rooting against you, because it can just completely spiral your game out of control. And like I said in the beginning, especially if you're already down in the match, you're missing balls, and it just it completely snowballs. Uh, right. And so I wanted to share two stories. One of them was is that um, I was playing in Florida, and I was playing one of the local girls, and she was a fan favorite, and everyone kept rooting for her. And no one would clap for me. And for whatever reason, when I made like a bank, couple banks in a row and then shot the nine, I was like, and no one clapped. I'm like, really? No one's going to clap? And I said it out loud to the crowd. I looked at them and they're like, oh, shit. And they, <laughs> they, they clapped for me, you know, and they kind of realized what they did. And then after that, they clapped for both of us because I don't think they realized what was going on. Now, I don't recommend that you in, engage with the crowd because that can be very bad. But the other story is is that just in the mega stop uh, last month, two top players were playing each other, and it's funny I mentioned the drunk player, drunk people, but these two drunk guys come in and they start rooting for one of the players, and they start clapping, you know, every time he makes a nine ball, and the other, and no one in the whole place has been clapping or cheering or rooting or anything the whole time, and they hear these two guys come in. And they're clapping for the guy and go, Tony, go, Tony, good shot, you know. And, and so we're all kind of looking around like, this is kind of awkward, you know, for the other guy. And the other guy's name is Rick. And so eventually it happened like three times in a row where Tony won and uh, Rick was racking. And the guys are going crazy and Rick looks over at him. And then he looks at Tony and he goes, wow, you have some fans. And he just said it out loud to Tony. And he wasn't, you know, Rick is a seasoned player. He wasn't letting it get to him, and he was actually being funny by saying it. And sure enough, the next game, Rick won, and they're like, good shot, you know? And so I think sometimes it's awareness yeah. of the fans that they don't realize what they're doing. Um, and so, like I said, it's tough to say something to the crowd. But that's those, those examples are, are true examples of they really aren't rooting against you. You know, they're just rooting for their right, friends. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Well, I, I agree with that. I have certainly seen examples of bad fans, regardless of who. Oh yeah, they, for sure. You know what I oh, mean? Yes. Who they were rooting for or not? <laughs> That's and topic. Sure, it is. It sure it is. Well, and it's just, but it's just the response from you or me or whoever should be the same, though. You right. know what I mean? It's it should right. be. It shouldn't mean a thing, and you know that. You know, I, I kind of have to lump that in with other distractions like that, where you sort of kind of have to keep your head in the game and yep. train yourself, like you said, get it in your head that it doesn't make any difference. You know, when right. I, when I am myself concentrating, I don't even hear if people clap for me. I'm in the zone. I'm not. You know, a bomb could go off on the other side of the room, and I'm not paying attention to it. It doesn't matter what's going on. You know what I mean? So it's easy to say that. I know that. And it's not it's it's easy to talk all about it as a matter of fact. But to be able right. to get in that frame of mind where you just don't uh, you know, the noise anybody's clapping, anybody's dropping a drink or on the floor right. or whatever doesn't mean a thing. That is not easy to do. No, it's not. And that's why I sit there and say my little mantra to me, you know, that I tell it's not it's not against you because if you think about it 
the only time it really bothers you is when you're in a high pressure match, when you're maybe playing for a high, you know playoffs in a team, or you're playing at the end of a tournament, or you're playing for money or a title. You know what I mean? It's not well, yeah. with your friends. It's not a regular. It's always it always seems to happen. <laughs> When the, right. When it's a, a high stakes kind of match for yourself. That's a very important just, point. That's a very right. important and point. You become, go ahead. Go ahead. And you become very, very aware of your of your surroundings more than usual. Yes. Like you and I could just be playing, and you know people clap and well whatever. Well, if we're playing for the title of Chicago, you know Chicago or something, you know it's gonna it's going to affect us a little bit different right. because of the high pressure of the situation. Right. Well, and I think that's the key here is that about awareness is that realize that the more intense the, the, the competition or situation that you're in, just like you said, the more sensitive you will be to things like that where Absolutely. casual game Somebody's over there making jokes in the corner. You don't care because it doesn't mean anything. But you're certainly going to be focused and trying to get your, you know, everything just right in your head. And all of a sudden, there's this noise in the corner. Oh, oh, ah! The game goes out the window, you know, because it's like pff, you just forgot all of that concentration. Now you're worried about some, you know, doofus in the corner spinning his bottle on the table or something. Whereas if it was Saturday early in the tournament. You may not have noticed, but yeah. Sunday afternoon, you're deep in the tournament. You're going to notice. Right, right. And that's, you know, I'll make a little side note in the conversation, too, here that that ob obviously goes. I know this is not the point of your blog, but a little reminder to fans and other players that the more intense the situation or the, the competition, the more important etiquette. Not only yep. it becomes, not only is it more important all to keep your head, but it's also important to keep your head as far as what else is going on around you, other people's games, other matches, your opponent, so that you are, uh, you know, not being the the crappy fan or the or the <laughs> obnoxious opponent, <laughs> or the un or the unaware fan that maybe what you might be doing. Right? Yeah, exactly. Dancing around in front of somebody's shot or something like that, but. Like, like I said, that's not the point of this. The point is, if you if that's happening, keep your head. Look right it's back. Not up, you. Right, go right. Look right back at the game and blow it off. You you, you just cannot right. let that get into your head. And and I was thinking the other day after I wrote the blog that one thing people might want to do, like let's say I'm playing you and all your friends are rooting for you, I'd be like, man, I want to show them up. You know, I want to show them that I play better and yeah. that I'm going to kick his butt so that they stop clapping. And and in my experience, it, it doesn't work. Now, it doesn't work for me. It may work for other people, but it doesn't work for me because right. if I start thinking that way, that's still taking me away from the game. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 and then it, so you have to do what's, you know, what's mentally positive for you to keep you focused on the game. Right. And in my opinion, if you're sitting there trying to, because if you put, if you try to beat someone, it's different than playing your best to beat someone. Right. And if you're trying to beat them just because people are clapping, I'll show in my them. Opinion, yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's it's not going to be successful all the time. I mean, sometimes it will, but you know that's why it's better just to reverse it and hey, they're not rooting against me. 
that everyone still likes me too. And well, <laughs> okay, I, it was a good shot. You yeah, know? <laughs> no, I think you also made another good point though there with that sort of I'll I'll show them kind of a thing is that as as justified as you might feel uh, in getting frustrated or angry or oh my god how rude are these people being while I'm trying to play here it, the even the I'll show them sort of blah haha attitude yeah it's okay to, to sort of feed on that um, to get your head back in the game but not to physically go back into the game with this well I have I gotta get revenge now because you know right because you've let the emotion seep in. Rather than trying to play angry, rather than trying to focus on, well, what fancy shot can I do, you know, to do whatever. No, you've already lost your concentration. Go back to exactly. the calm, consistent routine, you know, of playing well that you should already be familiar with. You know what I mean? Yep. I, I talk like it like exactly. it's I talk about it like it's all easy to remain calm or something because I know it's not you know <laughs> I know it's not no. I, especially for me so I, it's uh, that's good advice Melinda I appreciate you bringing that up you're welcome I hope it helps at least one person out there yeah. that's my goal every time we talk absolutely and hopefully the next time they're at an event and they hear somebody you know see or hear something they'll go uh you know it's not gonna bother me play my game you know actually you know. Th- i would love that feedback if someone said that that this helped them yeah that this talk helped them they would, absolutely. i would love that feedback if they send it to you or whatever yeah that'd be fabulous absolutely let us know shoot us an email or, or shoot uh, a message over to melinda she'd she'd love to hear from you thanks for, uh again for you for, yeah absolutely <laughs> thanks again uh melinda for joining us uh this week anytime for- i really enjoy it absolutely See you guys next week, everybody. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is the Legends and Champions Report. I'm your host, Mark Kentrell. And I'm joined this week by Dynamite, Darren Appleton. How you doing, Daz? Yeah, I'm doing good, thanks. Thanks, Mark. I, uh, I hope you that you're all doing good. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been quite a few things going on uh, in the pool world. Uh, it seems like it's a feast or famine. Uh, we've either got nothing to talk about or all kinds of stuff to talk about. So uh, just so I get... You're, you're, you're at pretty much every event and... Uh, obviously prominent in as a player in the pool world, so uh, I'd like to get your opinions on things and chit chat about you know what's going on. So yeah, um, let me see where shall I start. Start with uh, your event because that was the one that's the furthest that's passed. So everything went well. It appears uh, uh, there at Steinway, New York. Yeah, we uh, set off uh, the first day. Uh, we had some problems with the internet in the pool room, uh, basically because we was letting uh, the general uh, people in the room use use the internet. Uh, so uh, we had a lot of problems with the... Uh, and we had a bit of problem with the lighting, which caused like the in 
internet to fail also. So we had some uh, issues with the internet uh, getting it online the first day. So uh, we had to cancel the first match in the morning because of that reason. We had we had to fix the lighting because it sort of interrupted the uh, the fuse or something, and then it and then it affected the uh, Wi-Fi. Uh, in the uh, room, so uh, we managed to fix that, and then they still had a few little issues the first day uh, with the internet, uh, but the second day got a lot better, and then we sort of figured that if we stopped people using the uh, guest guest uh, uh, network in the whole room, it'd probably work a lot better, so as soon as we did that, it, we, we didn't have any problems at all, so obviously we, we learned a big lesson there. Uh, to not let people use like the guest uh, Wi-Fi in the pool room, because uh, after that, the last couple of days, the tablets weren't perfect for the live scoring, and so did the internet. Uh, so we didn't have any problems at all the last two days. Uh, obviously, uh, iRock Productions is the first time they've ever done a pool event, uh, so obviously there was learning. Let's say the first day or two uh, with camera angles and stuff like that, and getting the, the colours right of the cameras. They had a few issues with the lighting with the cameras. Even though they're really expensive cameras, but I think the last two days they uh, they sort of fixed that, and uh, I think the last two days especially the uh, streaming was smooth, and I think they did a really good job for their first time, and it's only going to get better and better. Uh, hopefully, we're looking to bring uh, another stream table as well for the next event. So uh, things are looking good, and uh, yeah, just a first day really where we had some issues with the internet, but after that was sort of good. Uh, the event went great, a lot better than the first one, uh, and uh, obviously we brought you and the lad on board, and they loved it. Uh, it's the first time they've ever been involved in pools, so and uh, so they're really happy. So we're hoping that the next event they're going to help us get as uh, bigger sponsors, more advertisers, and uh, they're going to be at the second, uh, the next event also, which is going to be big. So uh, the future, the future is looking good. Uh, who, who is IROC? Because I've never heard of them before. Who's IROC? How did they get involved? I know Unilad. Yeah, everybody's yeah. heard of Unilad. And maybe they haven't done pool before, but they've done, you know, uh, what Unilad yeah. do. But um, IROC, where, where did that come from? Well, IROC uh, is the same guys who own Molinari. Okay. So, uh, Ira Lee and Eric Kwan, they, uh, Ira, Ira Lee does a lot of carom tournaments, uh, like free free cushion. Uh, so it's like a, if you go on iRockStore.com, they sell cues and like mainly carom and stuff like that. So obviously uh, Ira's uh, into production with a carom. So he, he, he actually films like a lot of carom events, but he's never done a pool event. So obviously the camera angle's a lot different for playing a... a, a regular pool than it is to Karen. So obviously the, the first day he sort of like he was learning and going on and I sort of explained to him, I said, you may be, you're maybe doing the filming as if you like doing a Karen tournament but it doesn't quite work for a pool. So, uh, so obviously he listened and then they uh, they they got better and a lot more experience as the event went on but obviously when they watch it all back they're going to look at the the mistakes they made, and uh, the next event's going to be a hell of a lot better regards the production of the event. Uh, but I think for the first time, uh, I think they did pretty good, especially the last couple of days. I I, uh, I, I liked I liked what I see. I mean, we put a show on. We we got Florian uh, to put some entertainment on. Obviously, we had the shootouts in the arena, so 
Uh, I think it was a really good event. But yeah, I mean, uh, Ira especially, he's, uh, he's invested a lot of money in the equipment, the cameras, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, everything's looking great. We've had a lot of meetings with the Unilad since the event, and they loved it because it's the first time we've ever really uh, been involved in pool, and obviously they're massive. Um, I think we had over, over, four, over four million viewers over the four days, so that's a, a record in itself for pool. Uh, and I expect the numbers to rise and rise in the future. Right. Um, I was gonna. Uh, the the next event that's coming up is that going to be free pay per view also free pay per view. That's a contradiction, isn't it? Free streaming. Yeah, I mean, all uh, in the future we're never going to charge a penny. I mean, uh, from now till uh, till I mean, it, it's never it's it's, it's never going to be pay per view ever again. So. Uh, it's going it's to be free. Obviously, we uh, we try and make money from the advertisers, uh, what you know, Ad will get us. And obviously, we try and get sponsors outside the, the industry now. Because the good thing now is that is that we have numbers to show uh, sponsors outside the industry now. So obviously, with uh, four four million viewers, obviously, uh, a sponsor outside the industry is going to take notice. Where pools never had that sort of numbers before. Even in the Moscone Cup, they maybe get a, a, like a couple of million viewers, which I mean, obviously the Moscone Cup's a lot bigger than the World Pool Series. But I mean, there's a lot of events on network television what what uh, struggle to get like a million viewers over like the course of the tournament. I mean, so it just shows you how powerful the internet is now, and that and how much it's taking over because everything's free. Where like to get a cable, you you were paying two hundred dollars a month now for a cable, or if you're in the UK. It's like uh, one hundred dollars a month, so so people uh, are struggling now with the economy. So obviously they're looking for stuff what's free. So like you go on Facebook now, you can watch any major sport for for, for free now. I mean it's amazing. So it, it's just happened. It's just come across. It's just come along at the right time for us because because we're not trying to get to a network like ESPN or Sky Sports, and it's very difficult to break into that market as you know. But obviously online. And that's where the numbers are. Uh, everybody's got a computer now. Everybody's spending like 12, 15 hours a day on their phone. So, so it just works perfect for us and what and what we're trying to achieve. And obviously, it's all about numbers. Yeah, that's uh, the um, world uh, pool ch- world snooker. Uh, yeah, just just announced uh, that. They're going to be in North America on doing live Facebook, uh, yeah. so you can watch the snooker now in North yeah. America where you couldn't before. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's absolutely amazing. This Facebook Live is probably the best, the best thing what's ever happened for for sports like pool or even snooker darts. I mean, uh, all all like all like the sports what don't really get the recognition because it's so hard to break into a network. I mean now. Now you can watch them on Facebook Live or whatever. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad everything went well, and uh, hopefully, you know, it's going to keep uh, getting better and uh, keep going. Uh, you know, as smooth and everything else in the future. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to put my. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm still pinching myself, really. I mean, uh, I'm thinking just start off small, just build it up gradually. See see what happens and and now we've got more and more people involved i mean we've got 
we've got real serious people interested in the World Pool Series. I, I think we've got the concept right. I mean, uh, and uh, yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, if you look at our website now, I don't know if you looked at our new website. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing, and it's going to get better and better. And uh, I mean, there's all the information you need: player profiles, uh, fan zone. Uh, you can sign up to the website. I mean, there's a lot of information there, and it's going to get better and better. I mean, it's just uh, really exciting times for us. That's right. Even pull, you know. And we're bringing it free. I mean, there's nothing better than getting it free, right? I, I'll take anything for free, but blows, as my mother used to say. Well, I, I know, I know you will for sure, because you uh, you don't mind spending. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you just got back as well, I'm imagining, in the last uh, day or so from the street pool, US Open street pool. Yeah, I arrived here, uh, I arrived here on Monday, on Monday, it started uh, Monday night. Uh, what, what's just finished. Where are you now? What's that? I'm in uh, Connecticut, I'm uh, basically outside my hotel right now, which is about 20 yards away from the pool room, so, that's our, uh, so it's a pretty good location. Okay, so it's still going on then. I didn't know it was still going on. Yeah, now we're down. We've we've just finished the round robin. Uh, there was two groups of eight, and the top four qualified. So we played seven matches in the round robin. Uh, I actually, uh, I've, uh, so I, uh, tonight we, we play the last eight. Uh, so uh, I played Chris Mellon tonight. Um, and you got Torsten still in, Mika still in, Carlo, Levan Cortez. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it wasn't. It, to, to be honest, it wasn't. I mean, the only only sixteen players and fifty uh, percent uh, of the field really were just uh, sort of uh, just seems yeah, low. I mean, like yeah, I mean, like the the. Uh, I mean, if you take away six or six or seven of the top players, I mean, it's a pretty poor turnout and uh, a lot of top players missing. Uh, so it's disappointing that a U.S. Open straight pool with uh, ten thousand dollars added. Uh, with uh, when there was open to get 40 players and you only get 16 players, so it's a bit of a surprise, especially with the World Pool Series just finishing. I thought, I thought a lot of players would have uh, gone from the World Pool Series and come here to play in the straight pool because obviously it's a nice title to win and uh, they're adding ten thousand dollars. So I mean, uh, they're still paying pretty good uh, money out with only 16 players. I mean, the, the, the winner gets six, uh, 6,500. 4,000 for second, I think 25 for the semis, and uh, I think uh, 1,000 for the last day. So, I mean, it's uh, a pretty good payday, really. Right. Yeah, and, and it's, it's within it, driving distance, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's like two hours from uh, New York, so, I mean, it's, uh, I'm uh, really surprised that some of the players who didn't come what uh, could have come, but I think some of them didn't even know about it, so that's disappointing. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, I you know get along with uh, Griffin. He's a you know friend of mine. Uh, mm. I I'm, and and so you know I don't like to uh, be negative on anything that my friends are doing. But yeah. you're, you're right. I didn't. I didn't even know it was on. To be honest. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll tell you a story. Is that there's about. Seven Filipinos who were flying home on uh, straight after the World Pool Series on the Saturday night, and none of them knew about the uh, straight pool. So obviously they'd already booked their flights. Uh, the only two Filipinos what uh, was uh, was staying in, well, they was already staying anyway. Was Carlo and uh, Lee Van Cortez. So obviously they uh, they uh, planned to come here, but the other guys didn't know about it. Uh, 
And then I was surprised that people like Ralph Suke didn't stay to play, Tony Robles, people like that. So I, I don't know, really. It's, uh, it's a tough one to answer because, uh, I mean, if you had a full field of 40 players, I mean, they'd have been looking at maybe $15,000 for the winner. So, uh, yeah, because the 10000 sure. added was guaranteed. Yeah, the seven thousand that is guaranteed. Yeah, and that's the only reason why I come, Mark, because obviously last week they only had twelve players. I'm thinking I don't want to go there with only twelve players if they're not going to have the ten thousand. So, uh, but then uh, they told me that they're going to guarantee the ten thousand. So obviously I did the sums. I'm thinking, well, it's not bad really if we get sixteen players. That's eighteen thousand dollars for uh, eight players, really, because. Uh, 50% of the field are not very strong. I mean, they're just uh, sort of here to have a bit of fun and uh, play 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 against the best players, let's say. Yeah. Is, uh, you're eat, it's probably a big difference uh, being out there on the road with uh, your eating habits with Chris Mellon versus with me. Yeah, so, I'm actually... Uh, it's funny, actually, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually staking. I, I'm actually... Uh, I'm actually backing Chris Mellon. I'm sort of his stake horse this year, so uh, so obviously, so I, I'm and I'm playing him tonight. So it's sort of a win-win situation. Uh, it's a bad draw, obviously, to play to in the last eight. Uh, but obviously, uh, what I said to Chris is that for every match he wins, I'll buy him a meal. <laughs> but he's been here like two and a half weeks now, and I'm thinking, oh, that's it's become quite expensive because obviously <laughs> he, he likes his portions. <laughs> uh, so. We're, but we have a lot of fun. We get on really great, and uh, he and I challenged him to the uh, the steak dinner last night. That if he finishes it all, I'll give him fifty dollars. And uh, it took him about it took him about thirty minutes, but he managed to get there in the end. Yeah. So he was he was he getting any help? Was he cheating like you cheated with me? Or? No, he sort of uh, took his time. He he sort of stalled a few times. I, I said like I should have made a shot clock really. Yeah, I should have put him on the shot clock. I should have like said twenty minutes. You've got twenty minutes to eat it. Uh, but uh, uh, but afterward, but he was happy because he's like full. His uh, stomach was full, and in, and, and then twenty <laughs> minutes later, he he go and play his match. So he's all ready. He's like all happy, and uh, he uh, ran like another hundred balls. <laughs> so with Chris, it's just like you, you, with Chris, you just got to feed him before he plays, and then you know he's going to play. Cause... Right, and when we're out, you're complaining every five minutes. Oh, are we ever going to eat, pal? Are we ever going to eat somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that with Chris. He, he's asking me after every match if we're going for food. <laughs> but he's like uh, a one-off. I mean, I've, I've never known a full player be able to eat, to, to play full on a full stomach like like Chris. I mean, he's, he's just uh, a one-off character. Yeah, you think it would kind of drag you down a little bit, make you a bit sluggish, wouldn't it? Yeah, make you tired or get you a bit lazy. But with Chris, it just seems to give him uh, energy. It's like he's looking forward to the to the next meal. He <laughs> <laughs> don't care about the title, the trophy, or the prize money. He's just looking for, oh, Dad said he's going to buy me another meal if I win this one. Yeah, it's sort of good incentive. So that's why he's been doing good. I've sort of given him like an incentive. So he's thinking, oh, this is an awesome deal. Pay him off in cheeseburgers. <laughs> Yeah, we passed a few KFCs. I, uh, I told him, I said, you, uh, I think you're better off with a uh, better meal inside you instead of eating that uh, rubbish all the time. Um, the, we we kind of uh, talked a little bit earlier about the World Games. Uh, yeah. We've got the picks. You know, I've got my opinions on the 
on the whole situation with the World Games. I'm a, uh, I don't know, I, I'm a little bit on the on the negative side of mm. it, the way the the selection process and things like that, and who's there, who's yeah. not there. But uh, your reigning champion, uh, gold yeah. medalist last time, and uh, you know you, you're not going back again this year. But what, yeah. what's your uh, what's your take on who's going who's going for? Uh, is it Europe or is it Great Britain? Which one do you represent? Uh, I think it's uh, Europe, EPBF. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Obviously, it's like the Olympics. It's only every four years. So you, uh, the defending champions are not automatically invited back. And uh, I think the Olympics is the same process. Uh, even if you like win the gold medal, you, 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 still have, you, you still have to go in the Olympic trials. And uh, I guess uh, the, the World Games is the next big thing to the, to the Olympics. Uh, well, obviously, it's an amazing experience. You go out to the, op- the opening ceremony, like 30,000, 40,000 people. You uh, get to mix with your fellow countrymen at different so it's a great experience. You get to watch all the different sports. You're playing in front of a massive crowds, so you're treated really well. Uh, so it's, it's it's a chance of a lifetime, really. So even when I won it, I'm thinking this might be my last chance to play in it. So you got to make the most of it. So I sort of accepted that I probably won't get invited back. I mean, the, the the only chance I had to get back in it is to win the world championship. I'll be world ranked num- number one because I, I don't play in Europe. <coughs> where I think uh, the top two players in the Euro Tour rankings get automatically selected. And then uh, I think the European champion in nine ball, the European champion for the seniors uh, get invited. So that's maybe four or five spots from uh, Europe. And I think they get one wild card. I believe that Jason Shaw got the wild card. Uh, obviously, he's had a great 12 months, so obviously he probably deserves it. But I, I was a bit disappointing as a bit disappointing because I'm the defending champion. But I mean, on on current form, I I, didn't, I, I couldn't really argue against the decision. And obviously. I've got to experience it, so I was very happy for Jason because he's a good friend of mine. Uh, so I think, I think, so I think they get five or six spots from Europe. I think they get maybe a couple of spots in the uh, Middle East, at least two or three spots in Asia, like Philippines, Taiwan, China, and obviously the Americans get a couple of spots. I, I know that uh, Shane turned it down again, uh, which he did uh, four years ago, and uh, so Johnny and uh, Brandon went in 2013. And uh, I think Billy Fogg turned it down this year, which I think he's starting to regret after I, I explained the experience he, he would get from playing in it. Uh, but because uh, but I think it clashed with the CSI in Las Vegas uh, in July, I think uh, obviously they're thinking about the, the money from uh, from playing in Vegas. And uh, I think for people like Billy, it sort of, maybe it makes a bit of sense from like Billy because the US Open 8-ball and the US Open 10-ball's uh, ranking points for the Moscone Cup. So I sort of see see his point of view also uh, but obviously uh, I find but for me personally I'd uh, play in the World Games that's, that's just me I think you're representing your country it's once every four years and it's a chance of a lifetime yeah uh, and, and you can you can probably argue that either way as well for, for the, the American side of it just like you pointed out for Billy Thorpe you know maybe you know he's well, he's a is a younger fella, you know. Um, he get a chance to play on the Moscone Cup team. Uh, it's less expensive to go to Vegas to get those points yeah. than it is, and you can win money when you come out of it. Um, yeah. And and then get a chance, you know, the the Moscone Cup as well. 
And like you said, yeah. that's a that's a that, that's important as well. Like, that's another experience, isn't it? You know that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, someone like Billy's okay. I mean, Billy's what nineteen years old. I, don't, I have no idea. Honestly, I really yeah, I don't know. I think he's 19. I mean, Billy's, Billy's going to be around for a long time. He's going to get a lot more opportunities to play in the World Games. Uh, but if you're in your 30s, I mean, you're not going to get too many more opportunities. So, uh, uh, so, uh, so uh, I mean, Billy, Billy's okay. I, I, I understand what he's doing. He's, he's great for the grain. Great, great character. Great personality. And obviously, he looks very good. And is the future of American Paul. He's, he's like our saviour in, in my eyes. Uh, that's why it's important for him to do the right things. I think he's going to do the right things. He's, he's got the right parents. He's got good backing behind him. He's got good sponsors, and uh, he's he's uh, he's like the next shame and boning, but a bit more outspoken, which is good because he'll be a great ambassador for the game, also. Yeah. Well, you know, with there is a this younger. And the players that need to start coming up. Um, yeah. You know, Jason, I, I mean, I'm, how old is Jason? I mean, I'm calling him a younger player. Uh, Jason Shaw is 27. 27, so he's kind of moving up there in age a little bit, isn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, but, another two or three years, he'll hit his prime, which is quite scary when you think about it. Yeah, well, I've been... Uh, in, in, I think in full terms, you'll have your best years between the age of 30 to 35. Yeah. yeah you see, but, he, uh, he's coming along real well. Like Billy. I think if you're an exception like Billy, who's like obviously coming on the scene now, he's getting results, he's 19 years old, so some players might uh, be in their prime in their 20s, but, I mean, someone like Jason, he's just started to really, really take over, let's say, the last 12 months, and obviously... I think he's only going to get better and better. And so is Billy. I mean, Billy, another two or three years' time, he's going to be right up there with the likes of Jason Shaw, Copenhagen, uh, and people like, like the younger generation coming through. And that's what we need in America. But I think Skyler has got the potential to do that. Uh, I think uh, there's a young guy called Manny Perez. He, he looks pretty impressive. So you, you, have, you, have, you have some good young players coming through. They just need to surround themselves with the right people. Yeah, well, you've got, uh, on the female side of it, this is one of my things with the uh, World Games, was uh, April Lawson. You know April Lawson? Yeah, she's an amazing young girl. Uh, she's like a female version of Billy Park. I mean, she's got a great character, great personality, great attitude, and the improvement in her game in the last 12 months is incredible. I remember playing her. I played last year in like an exhibition game, like a couple of exhibition games at the expo, and uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see it. I, I'm thinking, no, she's uh, obviously like a good young player, but I wasn't thinking like 12 months down the line she'd be as good as what she is. I, I mean, it's incredible how much she's improved in 12 months, and uh, she's only going to get better. So that's great for American pool. Because uh, the ladies' games in in America, obviously, it's uh, struggling. So you you need. I mean, we we need like someone like her to uh, challenge the the Asian players and uh, the likes of Kelly Fisher. Because uh, like there isn't that many coming through, like you say. I mean, uh, obviously the days of Laurie John. I mean, I, I know she did well at the Expo, but I don't see her traveling the world to play in all those big tournaments. And uh, so, and Jeanette Lee is more focused on the exhibition side. So, uh, hey. April Larson's another one, and uh, I'm hoping that she's going to play in the World Pool Series. Actually, I, I, 
uh, we were just talking about it a couple of days ago, and we're going to invite her to come and play in the next event. But I, I haven't told her yet. <laughs> yeah, well, if she listens to this, then uh, she, it, uh, she'll probably contact me, and uh, we'll uh, get a plane on the World Pool Series. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. I'm trying to think of how old she is. I think she's about 16, 17, so, 17. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, I wondered, and maybe you can tell me, because you know, you probably know better than I do, with younger players uh, like Billy Thorpe um, and April coming up, do they have much of a problem going into pool rooms? You know, because the alcohol wars, sometimes there's no one allowed under 21 allowed in in some places. Yeah, I've never thought about that, to be honest. I think uh, pool rooms are a bit more relaxed for players coming to play in tournaments, I would imagine. Uh, obviously, they can't drink. Uh, but I think I think they let them in to play in the pool tournaments. But, uh, I mean, uh, I, I'm not too sure exactly how it all works uh, regarding that. Well, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not really talking about the owners of the pool room. I'm talking about just the standard yeah. state law or city ordinance or whatever. But yeah, I, I, I haven't really seen any issues or any problems with stuff like that. So I mean, I mean pool rooms are just different. I mean, these aren't that many big, big events in uh, pool rooms. I mean, except for the World Pool Series, and uh, she's okay to play in New New York. I, I mean, obviously there'd be some places where they're, they're a bit more strict. Uh, but uh, I think, uh, I mean, uh, I don't really see any problems there. And, no, uh, I, I hadn't really heard but, of any. I just always think about it. You know, yeah, it's just going to be yeah. something. Yeah, I know there's maybe a few like, but I don't really see any big issue. I think they'll they'll they'll, they'll give a pass for something like that, and uh, the authorities are not going to really follow up on it anyway. I don't think. Uh, yeah. But going back to the World Games, I believe that Brandon and Brandon Schuff and Sean Wilkie are representing America. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so and I spoke to. If you're turn down the opportunity, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you go down the the list, I mean, this they're supposed to go by the BCA ranking list, uh, yeah. and on the BCA ranking list, it's you know flooded with uh, Filipinos and Europeans as well and Canadians. Uh, yeah. that are in that top 10. So you kind of got to, on the BCA ranking list, like, I don't, I'm just saying this, it might not be the correct number, so, but, like, Brandon Schuff might be number 20 on the, or Sean Wilkie might be 20 or 25 on the BCA ranking list. But, yeah. when you take out everybody from Europe, Asia, Canada and the uh, Philippines, you get yeah. down to the final Americans, that they're in the top, all of a sudden they're in the top ten. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, if you look at all the other countries, I'm pretty sure that uh, nobody turned down their opportunity to play in the World Games. So, uh, and I, I, I know some of the guys are having to pay for it themselves. So, I do, I do find it a little bit strange, to be honest. But I mean, uh, I think it'll change in the future. I think in the future, when there's more money in the game and uh, people become more professional, let's say, then uh, they'll they'll like look at the World Games as a great opportunity. Because uh, 
I mean, obviously, uh, it's a massive tournament, and obviously, it's it's great for your sponsors also. I mean, that, that's what players are going to remember is that. Uh, yeah, there might not be no prize money for the World Games, but uh, but it uh, but it could generate a lot more things for you uh, moving forward. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, so you got to look at the big picture. You know what I mean? You you really got to look at the big picture. When the, it's even like some of these players, they're like just taking uh, sponsorship, they're getting products, uh, but they don't look at the big picture. Like, you got to be patient, like Billy. Like Billy's doing it right. He 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 isn't getting ticks off like a company. He isn't getting uh, chalk off a different company. He's he's biding his time. He's he's uh, picking his uh, sponsorships very carefully. So then, obviously, in the long term, it's going to benefit him. It's going to benefit him along uh, in the future because if if you're one of the players who's wearing like uh, six six or seven patches on on your shirt and you're not really getting any any money for it, you're just getting uh, products. Then, it, then obviously another sponsor is not going to approach that player because he sees the player with so many patches on his on his shirt. So he's thinking, oh, there's no point uh, ask. Is, there's no point asking that guy if he uh, if he wants us to to sponsor him because he's already got all these sponsors. So uh, so you, you you have to really think uh, carefully when you uh, when when it comes to uh, deciding which uh, route you're going to go down regards to getting sponsors. Yeah, quality, not quantity, is uh, yeah. And then it, it might take five or six years to really get the reward from it, but eventually, uh, the loyalty and uh, sticking to that, uh, building a relationship with a sponsor is very important. Well, if you look at actors, you know, in Hollywood, there's certain actors that don't just take every role, which is probably. You know, easy to do if you, you know, start out and you're broke and everything else. Um, But, you know, then you get offered all these different uh, roles. Well, some people take them, some don't. Look at Leonardo DiCaprio, for example. Uh, Name one movie, one bad movie that he's been in. Yeah, exactly. And he hasn't hasn't done that many movies because he always picks and chooses them. Yeah, but everyone, you know, it's Titanic. Uh, What's he in Gilbert Gray? For, uh, you know, Wolf of Wall Street. They're all all good, good, good ones. And yep. that's what. Yeah, I guess that's what could be said for anything, I suppose, really. But uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, but but it, but if you're a player with a lot of potential coming into the game, uh, just uh, my advice is to show a little bit of patience because in the long term you'll benefit a lot more. Because one, because once you get stuck with these sponsors and you've signed a contract, there's nothing you can do. And then obviously uh, uh, it can cause some drama with that particular sponsor when it when it comes to trying to break away from them. So it, it's important to to, uh, be, to to get the right advice, let's say, and then uh, and then obviously if you're like a Billy Fox, do it do it do it the right way, and you'll uh, people will uh, respect you more for that also. Yeah, uh, you know, I I see people uh, get players, well, mainly pool players, get they don't have maybe uh, common sense sometimes, or don't really think about things uh, through all the way, making mistakes with sponsorships. So many things can go wrong. Like you said, once they've signed that contract, it's hard for the player to get out. For the yeah. sponsor, if they want to get out, they just dump you. Yeah, 
They just do better. Yeah, of course, I mean, it's very easy for the sponsor. But when that sponsor knows he's stealing, I mean, he's, he's getting like a, a great player for like peanuts. And obviously, he's like very happy. But So that's where the players really need to uh, seek advice when it comes to like uh, signing deals and, and their value. I mean, uh, so many, I mean, 90% of the players, they undervalue themselves. Yeah, and and there's people out there that don't do it. There's, there's people who are selling merchandise who don't do it right. They because it's really once your face is on an advertisement, it's there. You're holding yeah. a you know credit a queue, and let's say tomorrow you and credit a part ways, you're still got that that picture of you holding the credit a queue is everywhere still. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but I mean, I, I've, 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 I mean, when I first signed with Predator, it was just a very, very small bill. But over the years, I've, I've been with them 10, 10 years now. It's just built and built up and built up and built up, and now, now, now I'm I'm reaping the reward, the, the rewards for it because uh, I I showed a lot of patience. But I I I believed in Predator and they believed in me, and we have a great relationship. Besides the, the sponsorship side, I mean. Uh, uh, I mean, I've been offered better deals in the last maybe four or five years, but it's very difficult to leave a company what's been so loyal to me and so good to me, and uh, right. and uh, I do pretty good, so I'm very happy. I mean, it's important to build a relationship, and that's a good thing with Billy. It's like I said to Billy and Jason Shaw, I says you got to, you have to realise that at this moment in time, you two guys are two of the hottest properties in the game. You're, you're like very young, you're good looking, you're going to get loads of TV exposure, you're going to play in the Moscone Cup for the next 10, 15 years, you're going to play in all the big television tournaments like the Challenger Champions, the FDN. I says, so I, I tell him, I says, look, uh, there's a lot of guys who've made mistakes over the years, and I, and I was one of them. I probably didn't really fulfill my potential regards uh, uh, marketing myself, but I've done pretty good at, out of it. But but I have a lot of experience and a lot of advice to give, so I tell them. I says, "Look, uh, now you are the the hottest players in the world. So don't. So when you get a sponsor, I mean, uh, I mean, don't be trying to be too greedy, but don't on on to sell yourself." Right. Well, I I think that's uh, about all the time we've got today. Uh, is there anybody you'd like to uh, thank? Any any sponsors that you'd like to thank, or any any anything else you want to talk about, real quick? Uh, yeah, I mean, everything's looking good. I mean, uh, the economy looks like it's picking up in the full world, especially in America. I think the market's looking great, and uh, a lot more tournaments happening. It uh, looks like uh, promoters are stepping up a little bit more, and uh, obviously the World Pool Series, uh, we're, we're, we're determined to really make it happen, uh, make it the official pro tour and everything else, and uh, build the sport, really. Uh, so everything's looking good, but obviously my... Uh, and now we're starting we start to get a busy schedule again. I mean, I've I've played about, I've played nearly 10 tournaments this year, where last year I, I only played, uh, I think I played 12 tournaments last year. So obviously I'm playing a lot more tournaments this year, so that means uh, things are really picking up and there's a lot more more good tournaments out there. And so things are looking good again. It's just uh, the market's building and uh, I think really good good things are going to happen in pool, I think, in the next uh, 12 months to two or three years' time. So, So that really excites me. Uh, that gave me like a lot of motivation uh, and un- uh, just by, just fall in love with, back with the game. Really, I mean, last year I was thinking about quitting, uh, but now I've got my appetite back for the game and uh, the sport. Really, uh, so obviously I, I want to thank my personal sponsors, uh, Czechio, 
Predator and uh, Razan Razan the Billiards. It's a uh, table in China, so uh, so things are looking good, Pat. And it's good to see that you are doing good, and uh, uh, maybe in the future we can uh, use you for the World Pool Series. Yeah, yeah, and uh, always always looking to do something, you know. And yeah. Then, then, like I said, there's a lot of things that are going on that I potentially are gonna gonna work out, you know. But for more structure for the game, you know, it's, I think there's a lot to be said for structure. Uh, yeah. Where the you know we talked about the players a little bit, uh, the pr- promoters, everybody kind of uh, being more unified to say, hey, this is how it works. This is look at all the other sports in the world. Nothing's more in more disarray than pool. You know, yeah. this is freaking curling. I was watching curling on TV uh, yeah. the other day. And, like, there's four people in the stands, and you know the relay to who the players. And mm. they're in this huge thing. They've got sponsors, and they've got an organization. They're organized. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's what happens when you organize things good, and you've got an association, and you've all got uh, identity. I mean, that's what it's all about. We, we, we have to have an identity, and we've got to have a, a, a good organization. If, if you do that, then there's no doubt in my mind that uh, pool, pool should be on TV regularly. Because uh, it's a lot more exciting to it's a lot more exciting to watch than a, a lot of sports <coughs> where I watch on, on TV. But I, I'm going to say this. I'll say this every now and then to anybody out there listening who don't fully understand how th- how this can actually work. On YouTube, there's a series of uh, uh, episodes called "When Snooker Ruled the World," yeah, and it's about the eighties. And uh, there's, I think I think there's like ten parts, ten fifteen minute parts to this, uh, but they all kind of fall together on a YouTube uh, thing. And it's about the characters and the people who were involved and how people got excited about it. wasn't just the playing; it was the characters. You loved one person, you hated another, which is, you know, that's good. It's good for yeah. I mean. <laughs> Building the characters and making the players famous is everything, and that's what we've never done in pool, and, and that's our goal. I mean, like we're doing like a lot of interviews with the players. We're even planning on uh, Ted Lerner going going to, to some of the players' houses and their their towns to do like a documentary on them, and then, then obviously we we can put it on our website. Uh, we can show it at the next series, like clips and stuff like that, and then we can put and just get get it out there. Uh, get get the players more well-known, because there's a lot of characters in the pool world. I mean, someone like Raj Ondal is one of the biggest characters in the game. Uh, so you, you, have to, you have to let them bring that character out and uh, be a little bit... Uh, be, just let them be themselves, but, uh, but get the public to know who they are, and that's what we've never done in pool. Right. Yeah. So uh, we've got a chance. We, we, we have a really good team. I mean, we've got someone like Ted Lerner. He's by far the best guy in the industry for, like, uh, media... Journalist. I mean, he's a presenter, commentator. I mean, and he's so passionate, and it, and he wants to do all this stuff. And uh, he has he basically got the same vision as me. And then obviously we've got people like uh, Ira Lee and uh, Manny. Uh, so we, we have a good team, a, a team what's really passionate about the game, and they want to see it grow. And that's what it's all about. Right. Well, like, we'll see how things go down the road. Darren, thank yeah. you for taking the time, giving us your input your uh, uh, outlook on what could happen and 
what you hope to yeah. happen. And uh, good job on the uh, your events, uh, the World Series, the pool, World Pool Series. Yeah, we yeah, get mixed yeah, up. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on this. Uh, if you want to go to the web, anybody want to go to the website, it's worldpoolseries.com. You've got all the information you need on the website. You can you can buy tickets. You, you can uh, see when the next events are. Uh, you can sign up to the website so you get the newsletters. Uh, you get, like, special deals from the sponsors and uh, products and stuff like that. So uh, a, a, a lot of good things are happening. So uh, uh, thanks, thanks, everybody, for their support. All right. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. I'll speak to you again real soon. Okay, pal. I'll see you later. Bye. Well, that was Darren Appleton. Uh, obviously, again, you know, we went through, not just with Darren, like we do with uh, a lot of the uh, top pool, pro pool players and guests that we have. It, you know, just a, a look at all kind of different aspects of everything that's going on. And it's good to get their input and their insight since we're not always there. We see what we see on the internet and we see what we see on YouTube or whatever. But, you know, uh, it's good to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So that's all for this week. Thank you all for listening. And uh, next week, we'll see you there.